This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. What is up, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, the trade deadline edition. Yes, we've been gone for a little while. I've been busy. I've been lazy, whatever you want to call it. But I promise you we're going to get back on a regular recording schedule. I've had a lot of stuff to deal with at work, but that has settled down. I'm getting into a routine, and we are going to be back here on the morning grind. This is our trade deadline edition, and we're going to do this in two parts. This first part is basically going to be all of the trades that happened in the last couple of days prior to this recording. We'll do another episode tomorrow that will talk about the trades that will probably happen in the next couple of hours because it's just too difficult in the world of Twitter to update your recording after every little trade or every little bit of news is made. However, I will say that yesterday in the baseball trading universe was absolutely wild. You had trades going down all over the place, and you had trades seemingly happen, then not happen, and then happen to a rival of the team that that player was originally supposed to be traded to. And that's where we'll start off today as Max Scherzer gets traded along with Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So early on Thursday, the Padres had a trade in place for Nationals right-handed starter and three-time Cy Young Award winner Max Scherzer. However, reports surfaced throughout the afternoon that the trade was not yet complete and that there were still other candidates that were in the running for Max Scherzer. Well, that prime candidate ended up being the team about 100 miles north on I-5 from San Diego, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers acquired Scherzer and Turner from Washington in exchange for top catching prospect Kybert Ruiz, top pitching prospect Josiah Gray, and two mid-level prospects in outfielder Donovan Casey and pitcher Gerardo Carrillo. The deal won't be official until Scherzer waives his no-trade clause, and he also has 10-5 rights. But reports surface, including from our buddy John Heyman, yo! that Scherzer will agree to waive the no-trade clause and go out to Los Angeles. Scherzer is having another phenomenal season. He's 8-4 with a 2.76 ERA in 19 starts, spanning 111 innings. He has 147 strikeouts to just 28 walks. Scherzer's last Cy Young Award came in 2017 when he had a 2.51 ERA and a 16-6 record for the Nats. Scherzer has won one Cy Young with the Detroit Tigers and two Cy Youngs with the Washington Nationals. He had a stretch of six consecutive years from 2013 to 2018 with at least 200 innings pitched, which is absolutely unheard of in the modern game. As for Trey Turner, he fills a need on the infield with the Dodgers still unsure about the return date of one Corey Seager. This year, Turner made his first All-Star team. He's hitting 322 with 18 homers and 49 runs driven in, 
Turner can also play the outfield, adding further to the versatility of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Turner also has phenomenal speed. He has 21 steals in 24 attempts this year. Back in 2018, he led the National League with 43 steals and had 46 steals the year before. Turner is somebody that is currently on the COVID IL due to a positive COVID test. But Turner is also not an unrestricted free agent until the 2023 season, which, when you look at it, means that the Dodgers may not be committed to re-signing Corey Seager, who's a free agent after this year. Trey Turner would be their shortstop for 2022. He is arbitration eligible. So, a lot to think about in terms of the future, but in the now, the Dodgers made the biggest trade at the deadline. The Nationals got back a load of prospects, and guys like Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray can fill holes at the big league level sooner than later. Ruiz and Gray both have big league experience and should be up on the Nationals roster very soon. So that's the trade of the day by far. But there have been a lot of impactful trades over the course of the last few days, so let's get into them, starting with the shocking trade of Anthony Rizzo to the New York Yankees. There was high speculation that Anthony Rizzo was going to get traded before the deadline because of two factors. Number one, the Cubs stink. But number two, Rizzo was offered a five-year, $70 million extension this offseason, and he declined it. There were reports surfacing that the Red Sox, the team that originally drafted Rizzo, would trade for him to be their first baseman for the stretch run. However, course changed very quickly. Very shortly after the Cubs game against the Cincinnati Reds wrapped up on Thursday, a game in which Rizzo did not play, he was dealt to the New York Yankees in exchange for outfield prospect Kevin Alcantara and right-handed pitching prospect Alexander Vizcaino. Rizzo this season is only hitting .248, but still has an on-base percentage of .346 and a slugging of .446. He has 14 homers to go along with 40 runs driven in. And if those numbers are playing at Wrigley, imagine what he can do playing at Yankee Stadium. Rizzo has had a down couple of years. He hit just 222 in a shortened 60-game season in 2020, but he hit 11 homers and drove in 24 runs. Rizzo, though, at his peak, was one of the best power hitters and run producers amongst first basemen in all of baseball. From 2015 to 2018, he had at least 100 RBI in every season. From 2014 to 2017, he had at least 30 home runs in every season, and Rizzo has hit over 20 home runs in each of the eight seasons from 2013 to 2019. A left-handed power bat works well in Yankee Stadium, which is why they picked up Anthony Rizzo. However, it raises questions about what the Yankees are going to end up doing with Luke Voigt, the 2020 AL home run champion, who came to the Yankees from the Cardinals back in 2018. Voigt is currently injured. He's only played in 29 games. He's hitting 241 with three homers and 11 driven in. It is likely that the Yankees find a way to get rid of Voigt by the end of today's trade deadline, but for now, Anthony Rizzo is their first baseman, and they'll worry about Voigt when they worry about Voigt. As for the Cubs, they got back two prospects. I don't know much about Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Vizcaino. However, one system had them ranked as the ninth and 12th best prospects in the Yankees organization. The Cubs at this point will take anybody that they can get to bolster their farm system. However, 
The Rizzo trade was not the only big trade that the Yankees made over the last couple of days because they went out and they got Joey Gallo. We already talked about left-handed power bats in Yankee Stadium when it came to Anthony Rizzo. Joey Gallo is just that, and even more than Rizzo. This season, Gallo is hitting 223, but he's got an on-base percentage of 379. He leads all Major League Baseball in walks with 74. Oh, and by the way, he has 25 homers and 55 runs driven in. Gallo is well on pace to hit 40 home runs this season, which will be the third time he's done that in his seven-year Major League career. Now, seven years is a bit of a misnomer because Gallo played just 36 games in 2015 and 17 games in 2016. His only two seasons playing over 100 games were in 2017 and 2018, where he hit 40 home runs and 41 home runs, respectively. He was an all-star in 2019, but he only played in 70 games, still hit 22 home runs. Gallo is going to hit a lot of home runs, he's going to draw a lot of walks, and he's going to strike out a ton. He already has 125 strikeouts this year. Back in 2018, he had 207 strikeouts, and in 2019, in just 241 at-bats, he had 114 strikeouts, so he struck out almost half the time over the course of 70 games. Now the trade. Gallo goes to the Yankees along with Yoeli Rodriguez and cash considerations in exchange for four Yankee prospects, Ezekiel Duran, Trevor Halver, Glenn Otto, and Josh Smith. Those all seem like just names to you, and to me, they're just names as well. And that's the reason why this is such a big trade for the Yankees, is that while they gave up a lot of prospects who could end up being future major leaguers, they get one of the best power hitters on the market and one of the best young power hitters in all of baseball. Gallo is just 27 years of age, and you better believe that the Yankees feel like they can extend him and keep him in New York for years to come. While the Red Sox may have missed out on Anthony Rizzo, they did not miss out on Kyle Schwarber. The Red Sox acquired Schwarber from the Nationals in exchange for a low-level minor league prospect. Schwarber is hitting 253 with a 340 on base this season, 25 home runs to go along with 53 runs driven in. Schwarber could easily hit 40 home runs this season, especially in Fenway Park, which has a very short porch, the pesky pole, down the right field line. This gives the Red Sox added power in their outfield and versatility at the designated hitter position should they want to put J.D. Martinez in the outfield or should they want to put a left-handed bat in the lineup. They did not have to give up much to get him considering Schwarber is on a one-year contract but a high-value add for Boston. The Nationals made one more trade, and that is sending right-handed reliever Daniel Hudson to the San Diego Padres. Hudson has been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball this year. He has a 2.20 ERA in 31 appearances. He's got 48 strikeouts and a whip of .98. The Padres have their closer in Mark Melanson, but Hudson, who is one of the premier setup men in all of baseball, adds even more depth to a Padre bullpen that desperately needs it. Everybody needs bullpen depth, at least in my opinion at this point, and if the Padres struck out on getting Max Scherzer, the least they can do is end up with somebody that strengthens their bullpen. I believe the Padres probably need another starter, which is insane considering how much starting pitching they have traded for over the last year and a half, 
but the Padres will be able to deal some of that starting pitching away once all of it is healthy. Remember, they still have Mike Clevenger, who is missing all of this season, recovering from Tommy John surgery. So that's the Padres for now. Let's take a look at a few other trades. We will start with the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox, after the injury to Nick Madrigal, were in desperate need of a second baseman, and they got one from their division rival. The Cleveland Indians, soon to be known as the Cleveland Guardians, traded Cesar Hernandez to Chicago in exchange for minor league left-handed starter Connor Pilkington. While Hernandez is only hitting 231, he's got a 307 on base percentage to go along with 18 homers and 47 runs driven in. He was also the Gold Glove Award winner at second base last year in the American League. Hernandez has a club option for next year, which more than likely will not be picked up once Madrigal returns. But Hernandez is only making $5 million this year. The White Sox are only going to have to pay about $2 million of that, and he provides a solid glove and a powerful enough bat at the second base position, something the White Sox have struggled to find since Madrigal went down. The White Sox also picked up right-handed reliever Ryan Tapera from the Chicago Cubs in exchange for minor league left-hander Bailey Horn. Tapera is having a rock-solid season. He has a 2.91 ERA in 43 appearances, spanning 43 and a third innings of work. He has 50 strikeouts to just 12 walks. Last year, in his first year with the Cubs, he had a 3.92 ERA in 21 appearances. Tapera is on a one-year contract. He's only making $800,000, so the White Sox add an effective bullpen piece for the stretch run, which they desperately needed. The White Sox may look to pick up a catcher today because they don't know how much longer Yasmani Grandal is going to be out, but I highly doubt that because the catching market is very thin and teams can leverage catchers for a very high price at this point in time. The Oakland A's have made a pair of trades. We'll start off with the one that they made earlier in the week, acquiring left-handed reliever Andrew Chafin from the Chicago Cubs in exchange for outfield prospect Greg Diekman. Chafin had a great year with the Cubs. He was 0-2, but had a 2.06 ERA in 43 appearances, spanning 39 and a third innings, 37 strikeouts to just 12 walks. In his career, he has a 3-4-6 ERA over eight major league seasons. This adds to an A's bullpen that really is not great. The A's don't really have a closer. They've been using Lou Trevino as a closer. Jake Diekman has not been great this year for the A's. So this adds to the Oakland bullpen depth. The A's are also in need of a bat, and that's why they went out and acquired Starling Marte from the Miami Marlins in exchange, straight up, for Jesus Lazardo. A lot of A's fans are comparing this to the Ioannis Cespedes for John Lester trade of a couple of years ago, but it's much different in that regard. Starling Marte is an upgrade over anything that the A's have had offensively in the outfield this season. No disrespect to Ramon Laureano, he's not having a great offensive year. With Miami in 63 games, he was hitting 306 with 7 home runs and 25 runs driven in. Last year, split between the Diamondbacks and the Marlins, he hit 281 with 6 homers and 27 RBI in 61 games. He's a one-time All-Star and a two-time Gold Glove Award winner. 
he has hit over 20 homers twice in his career and is a career 288 hitter. This automatically makes the Athletics a much better team offensively. Jesus Lazardo was phenomenal for Oakland in his rookie year in 2019 when, in six games, he allowed just two runs and 12 innings out of their bullpen, striking out 16 and walking three. He was decent as a starter in a shortened 2020 season, having a 4-12 ERA over 59 innings of work in nine starts, 12 total appearances. But this year, he was bad. He had an ERA above 6.8 and actually went on the injured list after injuring his pinky playing video games. There is still a lot of potential for Lazardo, who is just 23 years of age, but the A's believed that Lazardo was not a part of their plan to win this year. So the A's mortgaged a big part of their future to try and get that wild card spot this season. I don't believe the A's think that they can win the division given how much better the Astros are offensively than Oakland is. However, the A's also saw that their competitive window is not going to be around much longer. So they figured go for it now and if it means sacrificing a piece of the future like Lazardo, then so be it. Lazardo is going to be a part of a Marlins rotation that will be nasty in years to come with guys like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, Trevor Rogers, Nick Neidert, and countless others. So it just adds to Miami's overall rotation depth. But what was the cost for the Marlins? They had to eat the rest of Starling Marte's $4.7 million, which, knowing the Oakland A's, not that surprising. But the A's get a guy that can help them win now, and the Marlins get somebody that can help them win in the not-too-distant future. With the status of Trevor Bauer unknown and him seemingly done for the year and possibly for his Dodgers career, L.A. made another move to add rotation depth by acquiring Danny Duffy from the Kansas City Royals for a player to be named later and cash. Now, Duffy is currently on the injured list due to a hip flexor strain, but when he comes back, he's working on a fantastic season. The 32-year-old is a native of Galetta, California, which is not that far outside Los Angeles. He's 4-3 with a 2-5-1 ERA in 61 innings of work. Duffy has spent his entire Major League career over the course of 11 seasons with the Kansas City Royals. He has won a World Series. He has a 3.95 career ERA. Somewhat sad if you're a Royals fan that somebody that has been with the franchise as long as Duffy has will be flying the coop for the end of this season. However, there's always the possibility that he comes back in the offseason. He once tweeted out famously, bury me a Royal. His contract expires after this year, so this could very much be a rental for the Dodgers that then turns into Duffy returning to his hometown adopted hometown of Kansas City. The Milwaukee Brewers look like they are going to run away with the National League Central Division, and so they added infield depth by acquiring Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks in exchange for minor league infielder outfielder Cooper Hummel and minor league infielder Alberto Ciprian. Escobar was the lone all-star for the Diamondbacks this season. He's hitting 246 with a 300 on-base percentage. He also has 22 home runs and is in the final year of a three-year $21 million deal. This is a rental. There's a possibility that they keep him around long-term. 
but I imagine Escobar is going to play a lot of third base given that they already have Willie Adamas at shortstop and Colton Wong at second base. Escobar can also play first base as well. So there's a lot of places where he can go, and he just makes this Brewers infield that much better. They also give up two prospects that, quite frankly, are not going to make an impact, at least now, on the Brewers' big league roster. So Milwaukee, they are very much looking forward to the playoffs at this point and adding somebody that's going to make their lineup. A lineup that is good on paper, but hasn't necessarily executed to the level of which they expected but when you get a healthy Colton Wong, a healthy Christian Yelich, a healthy Lorenzo Kane, Willie Adamas playing as well as he has, and watch out, this is a team to be reckoned with, especially given the three-headed monster in their rotation of Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff, and a lights-out back end of the bullpen of Devin Williams and Josh Hader. The Blue Jays still have an outside chance at the second wildcard spot, which is why they decided to trade for Nationals closer Brad Hand. It has been a rough year for Hand, who is on a one-year contract. His ERA is at 3.59, which is not good for a closer. It's his highest single-season ERA since he had a 5-3 ERA back with the Marlins in 2015. Hand has 21 saves this year on a team that is going nowhere. They gave up Riley Adams being the Blue Jays in exchange. Adams has a chance to be a major league catcher for the Nationals this season. Him and Kaybert Ruiz, who they got from the Dodgers, that may be your catching tandem moving forward in D.C. So a very low return, but really not a very high risk for somebody that's on a one-year contract and will probably end up elsewhere in 2022. We now have to talk about the Seattle Mariners, because nobody has any idea what they're doing. The Mariners decided that they were going to trade away being very much in the thick of the wildcard race. They traded away Kendall Graveman, their best relief pitcher, who at this point in the year had a .82 earned run average in 30 appearances. He had 10 saves. In 33 innings, he struck out 34 guys compared to just 8 walks. He had only given up three earned runs the entire year. And for some reason, the Mariners decided to trade him to the Houston Astros for Joe Smith and Abraham Toro. Now, Abraham Toro is a very versatile infielder. He can play the corners. He can play up the middle if need be. He's only hitting 219 this season. He did homer in his first game with the Mariners and has two hits in his first five at-bats. But Abraham Toro is somebody that, when you look at his track record as a Major League Baseball player, he's never played more than 37 games in a Major League season. He played 25 games in 2019, 30 games in 2020, and so far he's played 37 games. He's still a pretty young guy. He's only 24 years of age, but Abraham Toro is somebody that doesn't really help you as much as Kendall Graveman does. They got in return Joe Smith from the Astros, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Joe Smith has a 7.48 ERA so far this year with Houston. But Jerry Depoto had him back when he was with the Angels, and so he likes Smith, and that's why they got Smith. But then the Mariners decided to go out and get Diego Castillo from the Tampa Bay Rays. So they traded away their best relief pitcher to get Tampa Bay's best relief pitcher, but Tampa Bay doesn't really care. Tampa Bay is like, hey, we've got relievers for days. 
We'll give you Diego Castillo. So Castillo this year has a 2.72 ERA in 37 appearances, over 36 in a third innings of work, 49 strikeouts to just 10 walks. He has 14 saves. The Rays, they just find ways to wheel and deal, and you really cannot question what they're doing down in Tampa Bay. But effectively, Jerry Depoto has swapped out the best reliever of the three that we talked about in exchange for two of them. I should also mention that JT Chargois goes to Tampa Bay from Seattle, and Chargois has an ERA of three this year across 31 relief appearances. Austin Shenton is a 17th-ranked Mariners prospect, a third baseman, that also goes to Tampa Bay. So the Rays, you don't question what they do, but the Mariners, it's very easy to question what they do. And speaking of the Mariners, they also picked up a starting pitcher, that being left-hander Tyler Anderson from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anderson is in his first year with the Pirates. He has a 5-8 record with a 4.35 ERA across 18 starts, 103 innings of work, 86 strikeouts to 25 walks. He spent last year with the San Francisco Giants, where he was 4-3 with a 4.37 ERA across 11 starts. He began his career with the Colorado Rockies, where he bust out as a rookie, having a 3-5-4 ERA in 19 starts back in 2016. So more rotation depth for the Mariners as they add a lefty to go along with Yusei Kikuchi and Marco Gonzalez. The Mariners are very much in it for a wildcard position, but God only knows how they're trying to get there. I forgot to mention that earlier in the week, Adam Frazier was traded by the Pittsburgh Pirates to the San Diego Padres, so that adds a lot of infield depth for them, and it also makes Eric Hosmer expendable. And the reason being is that they'd play Jake Cronenworth at first a lot more than they would play Eric Hosmer at this point. So here is who to look out for today. It has already been reported as we finish the recording of this show per John Heyman. Yo! That the Rockies are not going to trade either John Gray or Daniel Bard. Trevor's story, though, remains very much a big piece on the market. Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell will more than likely both be traded from the Cubs today. So those two guys are going to add either A, positional versatility, or B, bullpen depth and potentially a closer for anybody that really needs it. Looking at you potentially, New York Mets. Looking at you potentially, San Francisco Giants. With Max Scherzer off the market, the focus shifts from the starting pitching perspective to Minnesota Twins starter Jose Barrios, who many believe will be dealt today. He is the best starting pitcher available at this point. So look for the Giants to make a play. Look for the Padres to make a play. I would say potentially look at the Tampa Bay Rays or the Boston Red Sox to make a play for Jose Barrios. But don't expect Barrios to be in a Minnesota Twins uniform by the end of the day. So the four main guys I'm looking at, Bryant, Kimbrell, Barrios, and Story. Those are the guys that everybody is locked in on today. And I'll say this, if all four of those guys are not traded, I will be shocked. If one of those guys is not traded, my guess is that it's Chris Bryant and that the Cubs will change course and decide to offer him an extension. It's going to be a really fun day. I'm going to the Giants game tonight. Will I see any new members of the San Francisco Giants? We will see. This has been Trades 
part one here on MLB Morning Coffee. We'll be back tomorrow with the recap of what went down later today. Enjoy the trade deadline, everybody.